This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. All right, are you ready for a top 10 list? I've, I've been, I, this is going to be good. It's been a while. I, 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 you're not rusty, are you? You ready to rock? This one's good. This was good. This was from, uh, again, coming from Cody, uh, talking about Bay Area players who played for the A's who grew up in the Bay Area. And uh, I, it's there's a lot of people to choose from. And just right away, we are putting, we're not including on the list, the Hall of Famers of Bay Area baseball. And that's Eck, Ricky, and Dave Stewart. We're, we're going to just put those, those guys are in a different category. So they are not going to be part of our, our top 10 today. Now, this is something that I threw out there. Just want to know if it's a, did you have to be born here? He's not born here. Ricky wasn't born here. He was born in outside Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But to me, it's about going to high school here. Your formative years. You're okay. going to high school in the Bay Area. I knew it. Ricky's out. Ricky is <laughs> out. He's not a California. All right. So I, uh, obviously, we go honorable mention, and I have a feeling there a couple of our friends are going to be on this list. Yeah, definitely a couple of our friends. A uh, couple of the the A's pregame show host and that's uh, shooty babbitt who went to berkeley high school played with the a's for one year and bip roberts who went to skyline high school in oakland uh both honorable mentions fine players uh not long careers with the a's shooty only the one year in 81 and roberts only played one year in 98 bip had a great career i mean i grew up watching bip with the padres you think about being the all-star well with the cincinnati reds uh bick bip played with some unbelievable players too i mean when you talk about knowledge uh, of just hitting and how to play the game when you're around guys like, you know, Tony Gwynn, Roberto Alomar, Bip Roberts is a very, very interesting. What a tremendous career he had for a guy that, uh, let's face it, a lot of people probably thought little guy runs a little bit, probably won't play that long, probably didn't really give him a chance at, at the big league level. And remember, he was a Rule Five guy too. Yeah, and Bip, Bip owned Pedro Martinez. You look at their matchups, Bip, for whatever reason, he owned Pedro. I know. That's incredible to think that you could own Pedro Martinez. I mean, pay an electric young Pedro Martinez. Like, kids, look it up. This is young Pedro throwing 97, 98 miles an hour with movement. Yeah, this is the real thing. Uh, just a couple other guys on the uh, on the honorable mention. Joe Morgan, who played 84 at the A's. He went to Castlemont High School in Oakland. Um, Chris Singleton. Uh, ESPN radio broadcaster now went to Pinole Valley High School, another Pinole Valley High School. Dale Swain, who spent some time with the A's uh, later on and managed the Cubs and not be a good manager. Um, Berkeley High School shows up on this list. We've talked about Shooty. Uh, Glenn Burke, whose yep. name's going to be coming up here in a couple of weeks. He went to Berkeley High School. We got the hat, baby. Uh, we got the hat. Nice. It's a good looking hat. I mean, yeah, I got to tell you, Felder, you've been around this a long time also. The giveaway hats are being made far better than they used to. 
Yeah, there seems to be, it's not just the trucker hat when they slapped a logo on it, right? Yeah. They put some time and some effort to make the whole thing look pretty good. You mean the hats that we got when we were kids, went to the ballpark, that's, you'd wear them one time yeah, and, they'd, the and about. they'd fall yeah. apart? Oh, horrible. <laughs> horrible. All right, number 10. Oh, by the way, Joe number Morgan, 10. I think Ken Korak and I, when we were do, during COVID and we were re, going over the 72 World Series, I think Ken and I may have done his last interview because he passed not too long after that. And he talked about playing for the – he didn't want to play for the A's, but they, like, talked him into it because it was the hometown thing. And he's so grateful that he did do it because it meant a lot to him. But he was like – he really just wanted to retire. Yeah. He had a really good 1983 with the Phillies, helped the Phillies get into the World Series, an aging Phillies team. And they thought, okay, that's it. And the A's come calling, and the A's really wanted him to play. They thought he'd be a great mentor for Ricky and some of the young players that they had. And, you know, he, he set the, the second-base home run record as a member of the A's. Um, so it was a fun year. I remember his last game, uh, first at bat. He gets a base hit, and they take him out of the game. He gets the standing ovation as he walks off the field. Pretty special moment. No doubt. Number 10. Number 10 is a current athletic from Amador Valley High School in Pleasanton. Also went to Stanford. So definitely Bay Area wise. And that's Stephen Piscotti. And you look back at Piscotti and, and we, we heard a lot about Aaron Judge and the contract and not signing a contract and betting on himself. And that seems to be paying off for him. Steve Piscotti, Stephen Piscotti kind of did the opposite with St. Louis. After his big year in 2016, when he had 22 bombs and 35 doubles, he signed a six-year contract with the Cardinals for $33.5 million. So that bought out his arbitration years and his first year as a free agent. So this worked out very well for Steven because of the injuries. Right, His first year with the A's in 2018, he was fantastic. He played 151 games, 27 homers, 41 doubles. This all while the situation with his mom's going on and his mom passes away. He has a fantastic year. But then since then, it's been nothing but injuries, right? Right knee, uh, wrist, he's got the calf. So for Stephen Biscotti to sign that contract early, very wise move. Yeah, no bet, no doubt about it. And I don't know how many trades have been made in Major League Baseball that were truly about the player and his family. I don't know how many. There's been a bazillion trades. That may be one trade we look back and go, that's where front offices were doing what was best for a human being. 100%. Looking out for their guy. No doubt. Number nine. Number nine, we're going to go down to a San Jose State alum. Whoa. Who also went to uh, Archbishop Mitty. That's Chris Cotteroli. Love it. Now, Chris Cotteroli, interesting story. He was drafted by the Tigers out of San Jose State in 78, but really didn't make any inroads with, with the Tigers, was released. He signs with the A's, uh, ends up making his major league debut in September of 82. Uh, his listed height and weight, 6'1", 160 pounds. That's thin. String bean. String bean. But – you know, he becomes a, a valuable part of the A's rotation. In 83, he makes 31 starts. He goes 12-12 and 12 on a bad A's team, two shutouts. In 85, he led the AL with 37 starts. Another bad A's team, 14-14. and 14. Um, You know, he was kind of a linchpin on the A's rotation on those bad post-Billy Ball years. 
104 starts, 38 and 42. But he took the ball almost every chance he got. A little injury prone in 84. But Chris Cotteroli, local kid from San Jose, skinny, skinny, made his mark with the A's. I have a feeling, you know, I live in San Jose. I've lived in San Jose my entire adult life. I have a feeling the South Bay is going to be represented on this list. Could be. Could be. You've never been to my house, but right across the street from my house, it literally is just a pitch. A golf ball pitch is the uh, Little League field a lot of these guys played on that are in the big leagues. Nice. I would have, my boys would have played there, but I had twin girls, so that never happened, <laughs> Philly. Uh, number eight. Number eight from St. Francis High School, Ooh. Mountain View. More South Eric Bay. Burns. Burnsy. Eric Burns, drafted by the A's out of UCLA. Uh, this is a guy who makes his major league debut in August of 2000 in Cleveland and gets thrown at. He gets thrown <laughs> at by Steve Reed. Major league debut, he's getting thrown at. Are you serious? I don't remember oh, yeah. that. No, it was unbelievable. There, there was some stolen bases <laughs> and some other things, and Reed knocks him down. And Burnsy, I, I remember this because we were in the hotel after the game, and he's his eyes are on fire and his hair is going. He was so jacked up by the whole situation. Um, Burnsy, you know, I, I've seen players get hot before, but I have rarely seen a player as hot as Eric Burns in 2003. When you look at this 59-game stretch from the end of April to the end of June, culminating in the cycle versus the Giants in San Francisco, 59 games, he had 352, 11 homers, 41s driven in, an OPS over 1,000, could do no wrong. I, I, you rarely see someone get this hot for that long. I've never seen a guy get colder right after a hot streak like Eric Burns did right after that. His next 28 games – Nine for 95. That's an 095 average with no homers and only two runs batted in. So in one season, you saw the the best of Eric Burns and the absolute worst of Eric Burns. Speaking of getting hot, he told the story one time on A's Cast Live. He had some horrific game against the Chicago White Sox and walked home or I should say walk back to the hotel in the south side of Chicago at <laughs> night are you insane like if anybody knows what's going on right now to this day in the south side of Chicago unfortunately all the deaths and murders that are going on this dude's rolling through the middle of the night a major league baseball player he was telling that story I went and you made it back okay unbelievable yeah he's a different cat he really is and he's you know, he did some broadcasting with us at Pac-12 Network, and it was so much fun. He really was very much the Bill Walton of college baseball because you never knew what he was going to say. He was always honest, and he was always up for anything. Um, I think he's just – he's fortunately, he's not on MLB Network anymore. I wish he was because he's so enjoyable. But he's got the Savannah Bananas going. Yeah. And if you've seen any of those highlights or those clips, that looks like a total blast. Yeah, did you see the one where the guy – they did the red carpet for him? as he came to the plate, but he did the whole red carpet. It was it was like, it, it, you know what? I'd pay to watch that. You know, if you had cheap beer, cheap food, I mean, that's that's three – it's three hours of good entertainment. I'll tell you what, it's a hell of a lot better than a lot I've been watching the last couple of years. Yeah, and you watch the crowd in those clips. The crowds are uh, – places packed. 
They're having a great time. You never know when they're all of a sudden the team's just going to start dancing in the middle of a pitch. They're going to start dancing. It's a brilliant idea. It looks like a, it looks like just a blast. Number seven. Number seven from uh, Ignacio Valley High School in Concord, my high school's rival. Uh, also went to Cal, Lance Blankenship. Ooh, friend of the program. Uh, I, Lance, you know, when, when he made it up to the A's at the end of the, the 80s, right, he's just this young kid, but he was so good at Cal. I mean, he set all the records at Cal. The time he was done playing, he had the record for games and runs and RBIs and homers and steals and walks. Uh, Unbelievable college career, makes it to the big leagues. You know, he plays in the World Series in 89, gets a hit in the 89 World Series, also played in the 90 World Series. And then come 1992, he's a key part of the AL West Division champs uh, because of injuries with Walt Weiss. Uh, He's playing a lot of second base, but he also played first, left, center, right, stole 21 bases, had an on-base percentage of 390, and fielded everything. He was like a vacuum cleaner at second base. He was so good. In 92. And the A's don't win the West without his contribution. 93 is when the injuries happen. Hamstrings, shoulders. Only it's 190. Eventually has the shoulder surgery. And, and that's it. He never played Major League Ball after 93. A very short Major League career. But from what he did in 92, uh, he made his mark with A's baseball. I want the fans to know. They may think Pac-12 Network, Ted Robinson. They may think Roxy Bernstein. My old broadcast, my old broadcast partner, Lincoln Kennedy. I think of Feldy when I think of Pac-12 Network. How <laughs> how long have you been working for them? I'm in this beginning. We just finished our tenth season of the Pac-12 Network. Wow, it's a long time, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, it keeps continuing. Yeah, uh, but you've worked like <laughs> literally. You've worked for like it was like Sports Channel, Fox Sports, Comcast Sportsnet. NBC, now California, Bay Area. You've worked for them all, right? Yeah, yeah. Been lucky enough to have uh, been given the opportunity to work for everybody, and hopefully they keep uh, keep asking. Good for you. Collecting paychecks. What are we at, number six? Number six, and this is one of my favorite stories that doesn't get told enough. Actually, I told this story to Bip Roberts yesterday, and he didn't even know it. And that's the story of Claudel Washington. Bay Area? High Went to Berkeley High School. Wow. So Claudel, he didn't play baseball in high school. He was more interested in basketball and track. Graduates in 1972, and J.J. Gwynn, very famous name, he's the one who scouted Ricky, scouted Shooty, most of the Bay Area kids. Um, he was a, also a policeman, but he taught Claudel into joining a Connie Mack League team because he heard that Claudel was a great athlete. And, you know, you look at Claudel's body, the broad shoulders, tapered waist. He he looked like an athlete. Yeah. So he plays a few weeks with Connie Mack. Looks great. J.J. Gwynn tells the A's, you you need to sign him. He was undrafted out of high school because obviously he didn't play baseball in high school. So they sign him as a free agent, 17 years old, just graduated high school. Two years later, at 19, he's making his major league debut for the world champion Oakland A's against Gaylord <laughs> Perry in a packed house at the Coliseum, hits a triple for his first major league hit, and then hits a walk-off single off Gaylord Perry to win the game. And Gaylord Perry at the time was going for an AL record 16th win in a row. That snapped that streak. Claudel, two years out of high school, never played 
in high school playing in the major leagues. So he has that night. He's also starting World Series games in 1974. He turned 20 at that point. But he's starting World Series games. Had a great World Series. Right? Goes four for nine in the World Series. Unbelievable. It's, to me, one of the remarkable stories of a, of a scout noticing that this guy could do this, giving him the chance, and then Claudel running with it and being just so gifted. Um, unreal. Yeah, and those stories, we're really not going to see those anymore. You can even go back to, you know, Andrew Jones being a kid, you know, hitting bombs at a Yankee Stadium in the World Series. But now we're trying to hold guys back and we're trying to manipulate their time. It's really sad. When was Claudel's last year in the so big Claudel leagues? played all the way until 1990 yeah. and his career with the, with the Yankees. Because that early – I was born in 72, so it's like I remember him as, an, as, a, as a much older player. Yeah, as a Brave. I mean, we saw him on TBS all the time. Yeah. Um, just such a good hitter. You know, you think about how good he was with the A's. You know, they basically moved Joe Rudy to first base in 1975 so Claudel could play left field. So Rudy ends up playing first, tennis, catches. Our, our friend Ray, and if he gets moved to the bench in that situation, but – Claudel makes the all-star team. He hits 308, 75. He's 20, 20 years old, turning 21. It's just an incredible story that Claudel Washington, it was sad that he passed away uh, a year or two back, but uh, incredible career for a guy who didn't play high school baseball. 308, you'd be one of the best players in baseball right now. Number five. Number five is a, uh, a recent future athletic from Bellarmine Prep Ooh. in San Jose. He also went to Cal, and that's Mark Canna. Or is he going by Kana now? I've heard this that he's must yeah. Be Mark well, I mean, put it this way: I live in this. He was one of the guys I've got. His parents lived down the street from me. We belonged to the same swim and racket club. Uh, everybody still calls him uh, Mister Kana. So okay. that that's what they call Mark's father. So I'm going to go so he, by what his father goes by. Yes, Mark Kana. We're not we're not having an Anthony Dorsett situation here. It's Mark Kana for those who Tony Dorsett. Became Anthony Dorsett way back. Anyway, Mark Great Canna, Tony Dorsett. At a pit. At a pit. So, Canna was a Rule 5 pick uh, by the Rockies before the 2015 season. <laughs> and he made a trade with the Rockies to get Mark Canna. Uh, and as a rookie, it's 16 homers and 22 doubles. So, you know, he has to stay on the, the roster the whole year. These really weren't sure what they had with, with him. And then he missed almost all of 2016, hip surgery. 2017, he's splitting time between the A's and at that time Nashville. Um, it wasn't until 2019 where he finally kind of found his groove as a major league hitter, right? With a 396 on base percentage, hit 26 homers, drove in 80 runs, and we just became a force, right? And that's what you know, rule five picks don't often pan out. And by far, Mark Hanna is the, the top rule five pick in, in Oakland history. Uh, there's just very few guys who, who pan out like this. The most famous one being Roberto Clemente, who was a Rule 5 pick from the Pirates off the Dodgers. He was a decent uh, little player. Uh, George Bell was another one that worked out. But George really Taco Bell was a Rule 5 guy? He was a Rule 5 pick by the Blue Jays. So, for the A's, they strike gold with Canna. Uh, you know, he set the A's record with 27 hit by pitch. Got hit uh, 80 times all-time as a member of the of the A's. Uh, just a really good player for the A's for a lot of years in that 2019 season, the wild card year. Those are huge numbers. And uh, finding his stride, getting on base. 
Here's one thing no one realized, and I remember in an interview with him, and he didn't realize. When you looked at longest tenured players at one point for the A's, you saw Marcus Simeon and Mark Canna. Now, because you mentioned the hip surgery and everything, from just a pure, from just a pure employment standpoint, right? Even though you're getting hurt, mm-hmm. even though you're hurt, you didn't play, you're getting paid. From a standpoint of employment, Mark Canna, with that whole Rule 5 selection deal, he was the longest tenured A. He had been here longer than anybody. Now, he didn't play in all the games, but from a standpoint of being paid by the athletics, at one point he was the longest tenured guy. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Canna and Simeon starting that 2015 season. Number four. Number four, guy we've talked about before, a guy I love from Balboa High School in San Francisco, Mike Norris. Oh. Yes. <laughs> This is a Charlie Finley draft pick, right? He was the A's first-round pick in 73 in the January draft at the time. That's a Charlie Finley pick, and, and he struck gold. And we can't say it enough. His major league debut in 75, right, two years after being drafted, three-hit shutout. And this is taking Catfish Hunter's spot in the rotation. So you're just you're replacing a future Hall of Famer, and you go and throw a three-hit shutout. His next start, seven innings, only one hit. This is a future Hall of Famer. Gets injured in his third start, and then it's a rocky road until 1980 when he puts together one of the greatest seasons. 22 and 9, 2.53, 33 starts, 24 complete games, five times pinched 10 innings or more, including 14 innings versus Baltimore. A game the A's win on a Tony Armas Grand Slam, wins a gold glove, and unfathomably. Finishes second in the Cy Young voting because three voters left him off. That still bugs you. You've mentioned that multiple times. I can't get over it. The three voters, and it wasn't East Coast voters either, right? It was, I think it was Milwaukee, it was Anaheim, and Chicago left him off the ballot. How, how does that, or Kansas City, not Chicago, Kansas City. How does that happen? And Kansas City how was does guy who was 20. And, Two and nine get left off the ballot. And, and to educate the kids out there, back then, Chicago, White Sox, and Kansas City were in the same division as the A's. So it's not like right. today where you're well, they're in the Central. No, they were all in the West together, so you would have saw him. They, you would have saw him. And just look at the – it's unbelievable. So Steve Stone wins a gold glove. Good for Steve Stone. Didn't deserve it. Um, Mike Norris deserved it. And you look at, like, articles now when they redo voting – that's always a big one, the 1980 A.L. Cy Young. There is no doubt. Uh, Norris, the other thing that makes him special to me, um, after he had the arm surgeries and he had a, his drug problems, he works his way back. In 1990, he makes the World Championship A's roster. He makes the A's bullpen. Uh, unbelievable, right? He even pitched well. He only pitched in 14 games with an ERA of three. There was a roster crunch with another Rule 5 guy, Reggie Harris. That kind of cost Norris his spot. But he made it back. And still, to this day, the only Oakland pitcher to record a win in three different decades. Addiction is something that's very sad. And the fact that he made the comeback like he did and the change in his life at that time, it's pretty amazing. It, it really is. He even played with the San Jose Bees down there for a little bit. I right, waited number four? Number three. Number three. Number three, from Will C. Wood High School in Vacaville, Jermaine Dye. Vacaville. We're going up 80, huh? Vacaville, still part of the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, 
and we know that the Jermaine die coming in in 2001, solidifying the lineup, hitting 297 over the last 61 games with 59 runs batted in. But this is the thing I think gets locked when we talk about the A's and spending money and everything. So Jermaine Dye breaks his leg in the playoffs with a foul ball, spider fracture, awful, brutal, gruesome injury. The A's still sign him. He's a free agent now. And the A's sign him to a three-year, $32 million deal. So they spent the money on Jermaine Dye. Uh, they bought out his last year of arbitration and two years of free agency of Jermaine Dye. And this never gets talked about, but this happened. The A's spent the money to keep him. Now, he had a solid year in 2002, uh, even coming back from the injury. He had 24 homers, 86 RBIs, then had a terrible 03 with the shoulder problems and the knee. Um, he came back in 04 and was Jermaine Dye again. But the A's spent the money on him, and I, I don't think the A's get credit for that. Yeah, now he's uh, does a lot in the community there in Illinois and, and uh, plays a lot of golf, living the dream. World Series MVP, pretty good. Yeah, no doubt about it. With our but with our with another Cal Bear, our buddy Jeff Blom. You think about yeah. uh, the Cal representation on that uh, White Sox team, number two. Let's stick with the Cal. And another from Cal Bear. Another Cal, Marcus Simeon. Mm. I mean, when all is said and done, and we look back in A's history, and we look at the great shortstops, and you look at Campy. You look at Miguel Tejada, and then you're going to look at Marcus Simeon. And Simeon is right there, right? Just huge years. In the 2019 year, 33 homers, 43 doubles, 92 runs batted in, 123 runs, played every day, finished third in the MVP voting. And where he came from when we first saw him in 2015 with his 35 errors, I've never seen a player improve as much as Marcus Simeon did at the major league level the amount of work that he put in to be, become the player that he is. And even yesterday, you know, he said after a terrible start with the Rangers, but yesterday he hits three homers and has seven hits in both games of a doubleheader. I think Marcus Simeon's about to get hot for the Rangers, and we've seen it before. Uh, this guy, is, as much as anyone's, I've never seen anyone improve like Marcus Simeon. That year that he finishes third behind Trout and Bregman, I know there's been a lot of great players that played for the A's. I know Hall of Famer. Is that the best single season that we have ever seen from an Oakland A, throwing in the fact that he played shortstop, one of the most demanding positions in the game, and he did it every single game? It's right up there. And when you throw in the defensive part of it, that makes a difference. because Big difference. a big difference, but Jason Giambi in 2000 and 2001, he get he got maligned for his first his work at first base. No one picked the ball like Jason. He saved so many errors for Tejada and Chavez by the way he fielded. Tejada's year when he won the MVP was huge. Ricky in 1990, he could do it from both ways. And even Jose in 88, because Jose actually played defense in 88, one of the <laughs> last times he did. But he was a complete player hitting 300. So those are the great years in Oakland histories. And, and Simeon's right up there with them. Um, all right, all let me, can I re-ask? Can I re-ask the question? Sure. I'm going to re-ask it this way. I'm going to take Ricky Henderson out, put him over <laughs> here. Marcus Simeon's year that he finished third in the MVP is the best clean season in the history of the Oakland Athletics. 
And clean, I mean, without performance-enhancing drugs. Um, well, sure. Okay. Compromise, then. Yeah, we can compromise on that. We compromise. Because that's <laughs> – I, uh, I do know this. And getting to know Marcus over the years, getting to know his family, his wife, uh, his dad, who was also a cow bear – I don't know if there's been a better human being to put on a put on an A's uniform than Marcus Simeon. No, he's he's a top notch human being. Um, everything that he did with the club and the amount of work and the way he went about his business, uh, he reminds me a lot in a way of Clay Thompson, um, where he just he goes to work every day, he puts the time in, he doesn't look to be a superstar, he doesn't look for the oculates, he just does his job, and he does it to the best of his ability, and he's one of the best in the world at it. I bet he plays for the A's again. Well, quite possibly. A lot of, a lot of times, you know, the former greats tend to come back. Oh, and they come back multiple times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All righty, since the great Dave Stewart, smoke is out. The great Ricky Henderson and Dennis Eckersley because they're not only A's Hall of Famers, they have plaques in Cooperstown. They're out. Number one Bay Area kid to play for the Oakland A's who's not in the A's Hall of Fame or the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we're going to go back to the South Bay. Uh Uh-huh. We're going to go to Wilcox High School in Santa Clara. We're going to go to Kearney Lansford. And you talk about a Bay Area kid. He led the Santa Clara Little League team to the finals of the Little League World Series before losing to Taiwan. So his roots are here in the Bay Area, and he made a mark in the Bay Area as just a little guy. And then Carney, you know, he's a third-round pick by the Angels, goes to the Red Sox, wins a batting title, gets traded to the A's in the Tony Armas deal, and then he is your A's third baseman for 10 solid seasons, uh, except for the injury year with the sl- the uh, snowmobile accident in 91. But uh, you got to give your props to Carney for the numbers that he put up, you know, in Oakland history, eighth in games, third in hits, ninth in runs, fifth in steals, uh, finished second in the AL batting title in in 89 when he hit 336, um, which is the second highest single season average in Oakland history next to Giambi's 342. Uh, In the 89 postseason, the year the A's won it all, he had safely in all seven games, hit 444, uh, if Ricky had not gone off the charts in that postseason, we'd all be talking about Carney in the year that he put up uh, against the Blue Jays and the Giants. But for that long and kind of doing it in your hometown, Carney Lansford, he's number one. The guy could just flat out hit. I mean, and, and a prototypical at that time, a second place hitter can hit the ball. I mean, he's going to drive it the other way, but if you if he cheated, he could he could rip it down the left field line. And you know, having, you know, for years as Carney's kid played at San Jose State. I've I've had a lot of conversations with Carney. I mean, it's a guy that grew up at a time where he was watching, you know, when they first started doing something in 71 and Vita became the rock star, then it's champs in 72, 73, 74. As a kid, he lived that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, as for most of these guys, I always think, how special would it be to grow up in an area and then play for the hometown team? I mean, that's got to be just just something amazing to to think that you rooted for these guys and now I'm putting on that jersey and I'm representing that team. What a special, special thing. I think, you know, we didn't talk about managers, but 
two managers who could be on this team. One is Billy Martin, right? Again, yeah. from Berkeley High School. And the other's Bob Melvin from Menlo. And Bob Melvin was an A's fan, right? Sal Banda was his guy. Um, and then he gets to manage this team for as long as he did, uh, again, managing the hometown team. It's just, I can't imagine how special that would be. Yeah, because it's like I have people come up to me all the time. will be like, oh, hey, Tony, you remember? I'm like, I was born in 72. So I hosted the on Saturday between the players uh, who came back from the team and, and the season ticket holders, and it was cool. Like the people that, like, remember, I mean, I was born in 72, so I don't remember it. I don't even remember the Big Red Machine, for God's sakes. I, that was too young. I mean, I don't know. Do you do, – could you even – even at your – I don't know how old you are, but do you recall any of that? I do. I, I was young, but I, I remember them winning in 72. I went to postseason games in 74. I saw Ray hit a three-run homer in the ALCS. Uh, my dad went to all the games. So, I mean, I grew up with – that was the, my first team, right? Those, yeah. My dad took me to games. He'd point out Sal Bando and Campy and Reggie. I remember going to a game when I was six years old and asking my dad, will Reggie hit a home run today? My dad's, you know, well, you never know. It's hard to hit a home run. Reggie not only hits one home run, he hits two home runs. And the thing that sticks with me to this day is his third at bat. He hit the routine ground ball to third base and beats it out for an infield single. That was Reggie. And that was a Hall of Famer. And, and you know, the home runs, I can still kind of see. I see him beating out that infield hit. Yeah, I remember during COVID, we were with the, the Bucky Dent game. And... Mm-hmm. Reggie's up to the bat. It's game 163, right? And yep. Or what it would count as game 162? Or was that a next? It was 163. And you thought of Reggie Jackson as, oh, he's got the most strikeouts. He was still hitting 280. Yeah. Like, we'd kill for 280 right now. Yeah. And you think about that game, right? And this is typical Reggie. Bucky Dent has the three on Homer to give him the lead. Reggie. Went deep, yeah. Act on the insurance run with the Homer because that's what Reggie does. Yeah, Reggie was Re- – Reggie they the guy had a candy bar named after him, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> and the one-liners, too. The straw that oh. stirs the drink or I, I didn't come to New York to be, be a star. I'm bringing my star to New York. Oh, so yes. good. So good. And then, of course, Catfish had the great line about the candy bar. Candy bar is just like Reggie. You open it up, it tells you how good it is. <laughs> All right, run it down. Top 10. Top 10. Not counting Stu, Eck, and Ricky, but number 10, Stephen Piscotti from Pleasanton. Chris Cotteroli from San Jose. Eric Burns from Mountain View and St. Francis High School. Lance Blankenship from Concord, Unesha Valley High School. Cladell, Washington. Berkeley High School. Never played at Berkeley High School. Still made it to the big leagues in two years. Mark Canna from Bellarmine Prep in San Jose. Mike Norris, Balboa High School in the city. Jermaine Dye out in Vacaville at Wood High School. Marcus Simeon, St. Mary's High School in Cal. And number one, Carney Lansford from Wilcox High School in Santa Clara. You are the best. What, what, what do you got going? Are you working any of this road trip? Are you on Giants? What are you doing? No, I got all these games. We're out at the uh, the NBC Sports California studios uh, bringing these games. And uh, – we got a, a, almost a Bay Area kid pitching for the A's tonight. Aptos is not quite the Bay Area, but it's close. So it'll be interesting to see a major league debut. So uh, I think he was born in San Jose, though. 
I know his father. I, I I've known his father for almost thirty years. Greg, we had him wow. on the show earlier. Yeah, that's I. This kid's story is I. Isn't this story the typical story? I, I just send you the interview. I had his dad go through every place that he's been. It's like it's total A's. It's like, hey, listen, A's don't care where you're drafted. A's don't care how much money you sign. A's don't give a crap about can can you get people out. You can get people out. You're gonna make the big league club. No, and that's the thing, and he proved it, right, working his way back and then in the minor leagues this year. He deserved this shot. He earned this shot to pitch at the major league level. I wish him nothing but success. I have no idea how it's going to go. Braves are a very tough lineup to pitch against, but he earned this, and that's what's cool. If you earn it, and then you're given that opportunity, and you can find that with this organization. Are 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 we – it's early June. Are we starting to prep for college football? We actually are. We are looking at the season coming up, uh, starting in, in September, looking at the games that we're going to have. Uh, college football, I think media day is next month down in L.A. So as soon as we get through with the College World Series, it's all about college football. That's uh, the best. The best time of year is when we got baseball coming down the stretch into the postseason with with the NFL and college football, to me, you can have the NCAA tournament. You can, to me, when you got baseball coming down to the end, football starting, college and pro, the best time of the year. Yeah, September and October are so much fun uh, with all the events because such big games in baseball and then football getting rolling. Everything, every event you go to means something in September. Uh, Football, because they play so few games, so every game is so huge. And, you know, September baseball games, there's nothing like it. And the, um, and the big out-of-conference matchups early yeah. in college football where teams, you know, hey, you want to help yourself, you win one of these early games at non-conference, another quality opponent does big for you. And they always, you know, it can be down at the Cowboys Stadium. I love those. Yeah, and think about this year, the Cal Bears going to South Bend and playing at Notre Dame. Cal at Notre Dame. I, that's just that's just for us West Coasters. I, that's just so cool. Hey, hey, do me a favor. Next thing you see, our, our mutual friend Roxy Bernstein. Ask him. I, I forget when's the last time the Cal won the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. We 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 try not to bring that up with poor Rox. Just just bring that up for me because he knows. See, he can't bag on San Jose State because his childhood buddy's our head coach, and he that's knows true. we're climbing a mountain. That's true, and he actually we actually showed last year some sort of camp photo of Roxy and Brennan together. And Roxy's this little tiny guy, and the coach is big. It was hilarious. And, of course, we'll put the tractors out where the stands are supposed to be because they're going to be built. We just don't know when. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I could talk to you all day, buddy. We always appreciate the time. Our A's historian with another top ten. Be well. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Tony. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.